Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Good morning. Welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East. Man, you look good today. You sounded good in, in, in worship. Um, excited about today. I want to start with a story. Back in, uh, I think, 2006 or so in Georgia, a young man, 20 years old, he was with the fire department. His name was Matt Swatzel. He had just worked a long shift and was driving home. About four miles from his home, he fell asleep at the wheel, swerved in to the other lane and, and hit a car with June Fitzgerald in it. She was pregnant, and then there was a 19-month-old in the back seat. The mom and the baby were killed instantly, and the 19-month-old was injured. And it was one of those things that if you've ever been through anything like that, the tragedy or the pain of, of all of that on both sides, Matt facing manslaughter charges, the husband of June, who happened to be a, a local pastor in uh, that area of Georgia, Dakula, or however you pronounce that city, and he asked to meet with the young man, Matt, and in the sentencing process, wrote letters and appeared to plead with the judge to lessen the sentence and actually befriended Matt, kind of took him under his wing and forgave him. When he was asked uh, by the, the magazine today, he was asked, how did you, how did, how did you do that? How did, how did you make it after that, your whole family? And he said, you know, I think we're called to forgive as we've been forgiven. And to this day, Matt and um, the husband keep in touch and have coffee, and they don't live in the same area anymore, but for years and years, they had coffee every month and walked in an incredible amount of forgiveness. Now, I understand that when a lot of us saw the, we call it the bumper, the uh, video right before I come out and you saw forgiveness and you're thinking in your heart and your mind, you're thinking, oh man, I wish I was at a graduation right now. <laughs> it said no one ever. <laughs> but, but it's a painful subject to a lot of us because forgiveness is something that we all have to walk through from time to time. And so just two weeks of it, okay? So this is not a whole series. This is a abbreviated series, two weeks. Here's what we're gonna talk about over the next two weeks. Today, I'm gonna talk about understanding forgiveness, and then next week, we're gonna talk about practicing forgiveness. And this is easy to teach, right? The, the concept of forgiveness is not rocket science. Very easy to talk about, very easy to, to get scripture open and, and, and then, you know, teach it. But it's one other thing to live. 
So I, I understand that all of us have walked through whatever the scale of our forgiveness. Some, some we've just been offended and, you know, somebody hurt our feelings and, and, you know, that kind of forgiveness on the other extreme of utter devastation. And some of you, it may be between you and God. There's a lack of forgiveness from you to the Father, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. So on that scale, um, a lot of us fall in between, this side, that side. My hope in my heart today is that you and I, all of us would learn, that we would open our hearts. Here's where we're going. I'm going to give you my definition of forgiveness. We're going to look at some things that Jesus said about forgiveness. And then we're going to go to an Old Testament story that I have, it's one of my favorite stories. I've told the story many times, but I've never seen this this in this story. I've never seen what I'm going to say today as it pertains to forgiveness. And so my hope is that you won't tune me out. My hope is that your bitterness or your anger or your resentment right now that you hold or that you feel towards someone else or God that you would pause that for just a second and just say, God, if you would speak to me about this, I'm, I'm very um, apprehensive about this, but, but I just want you to speak to me. I, I hope that wherever you are, online or at a campus or here, I, I pray that you would open your hearts. Let me give you my definition for forgiveness, all right? And a, an intentional decision, and I think that's important, it's an intentional decision, and understand that forgiveness is a journey, I understand that forgiveness takes time. I think that forgiveness is perhaps a long journey, but it starts with a decision. Intentional decision to let go of anger, resentment, and offense caused by someone who has intentionally or unintentionally hurt, violated, or wronged you in any way. Now again, easier said than done, but I think it starts with a decision, and my hope today is that by the end, that I had someone come out to the lobby uh, in Saturday night service and, and said, you've taught on forgiveness a lot of years, but this is the first one that really got me, and I'm going to have to choose to do some things in this, in this next week. My hope in my heart is that you would begin that journey a decision, intentionally deciding to let go, to let go. So what, what would Jesus say, and he has a lot to say about this subject, but what would Jesus say about forgiveness? Matthew chapter 6, this is the, in the Sermon on the Mountain, and here's what he says when he teaches us how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. See, forgiveness is both about receiving it from God and from others, and it's also about granting it to God and to others. Forgiveness is both receiving both ways and granting both ways, and granting and receiving this way. Forgive us our sins as you have forgiven us. Two verses later, so so the, the prayer in which Jesus was asked, hey, teach us to pray. And so he teaches them to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be their name. 
you know, that, that part of the prayer, gets to the end of the prayer and then teaches back about forgiveness. The first thing after the prayer he says is this, verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how theologically this works. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is like, okay, so wait a minute. So if I don't forgive somebody, that means you're going to put all the sins back on me? Or was this just a metaphor? But what if, what, if, what if I didn't have to worry about that because I just chose to forgive? Does that make sense? So that's what I want to do. I don't want to have to worry about what does that mean. I'm just going to say, okay, I'm just going to choose to forgive. Now, it doesn't mean I'm happy about it, right? It doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, okay. It doesn't mean that relationships always stay the same, okay? So I understand the messiness of forgiveness, However, I think that I, I would rather choose to err on the side of grace and, and forgiveness than have to wonder about, okay, now what? All my sins? Or, I mean, how does this affect my future in heaven? You know, all those things. I don't want to worry about that. And I don't want you to worry about that. So let's just forgive, right? Sermon over, mic drop, let's go. That's it. Matthew 18, here's what Jesus says. When Peter came and asked him, he said, hey, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? And there was a reason he was saying this. He was really trying to be real spiritual, trying to impress Jesus, I think. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, he said, but 70 times seven. In other words, limitless. Okay, so we got some things about Jesus that he said on the subject of forgiveness. Now, I think that no matter what Greek words you go back to in each of those passages, it's plain and simple. There's no misunderstanding it. There's no other way to interpret it. There is no other option. Forgiveness is not a good idea. It's a commandment. It's, it's not an option in the, in the contract with our Lord. This is something that as you have been forgiven, you freely forgive. And if you don't forgive then you won't be forgiven. Well, no, let's not worry about that. Let's just forgive. Let's just do that. And we do well to understand, we do well to understand forgiveness and we do well to practice forgiveness. So that's week one and two. But there's an Old Testament story that you're, many of us are familiar with that, again, I've, I've, I mean, I have told this story, I've taught on this story probably as many times uh, as, as any other subject or character in the Old Testament, and that is the story of Joseph. So <clears throat> Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph is in this family. There's it's, it's where the 12 tribes of Israel come from, this family. And Joseph is the favorite. Now, I know what it's like to be the favorite son. I'm the only one. <laughs> I know what it's like to be the favorite child. I'm the only one. So Joseph was this favorite son of Jacob. And uh, 
I mean, it was obvious to the rest of the brothers. And the rest of the brothers hated him for it. The, the coat of many colors, you, you remember that story perhaps where J- uh, Jacob gives Joseph this fancy coat and he's wearing it around. You know, he's just flaunting it in front of his brothers. And they are just, I mean, if you have, if you are uh, in a family with siblings, maybe there's three or four or five of you and you, you know there's a favorite. You know what I'm talking about. You just get sick. You're just like, oh my goodness, right? You're just like, I hate them, but I love them too, you know? Well, this is Joseph. <clears throat> now, they could handle the, the coat. They could handle the favoritism. What they couldn't handle was Joseph's pride. And what I mean by that is Joseph had this dream that his whole family were gathered together and they were bowing down to Joseph. Now, it's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to be stupid enough to tell it. Okay? But he did. He brought his brothers around. I don't know, over the campfire, they're smoking cigars. I don't know what they were doing. But they were around the campfire, and he says, hey, I got a story. I had a dream, crazy dream. You guys were worshiping me. And that was it. I mean, it was like it, was like it clicked, and the brothers were like, we're going to kill him. So literally, they take him away to kill him, and they throw him in a pit like this. Well, you can't get out. You can't crawl out. And they leave him there. Well, then the older brothers are like, oh, we can't kill him. Let's just, let's get him out of the pit, and let's just sell him. So there was a, uh, there was a caravan going to Egypt, and so they got him out of the pit, and they sold their brother into slavery, and he wound up in Egypt. He wound up in the house of a man called Potiphar. He was an influential Egyptian. He was well-known in the kingdom of Pharaoh at that time. And Joseph was the favorite wherever he went. Joseph, because of his intelligence, because of his leadership ability, he rose to the top and Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Well, Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph and decided to make advances, and I'll stop, you know what I'm saying when I say that, and Joseph wasn't having that. He wanted to be loyal to Potiphar, and because of the denial, she gets mad, and then she accuses him of things when Potiphar comes home, and that puts Joseph in prison. Potiphar puts him in prison, where Joseph would be for at least two years, maybe more. And in that prison, Joseph, again, the favorite wherever he went, he rose to the top and he was in charge of the prison. Underneath the prison guard, he was in charge. But yet, time after time, people would forget him. He would, when people would get out of prison, he'd say, hey, would you remember me? Tell, tell somebody that, that I didn't do it and, and that I'm innocent. I'm in here for no reason. So he was forgotten in prison until Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, had a dream. And none of his wise men or people could interpret the dream. And that's when one of the guys that was in prison that was now in Pharaoh's court remembered that Joseph had the gift of interpreting dreams. So he goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, there's a guy in prison. His name is Joseph. He's from Israel. But he has the ability to interpret dreams. So Pharaoh says, well, bring him here. And so Pharaoh says, I want you to interpret my dream. And Joseph was able to. To interpret the dream. Important little caveat here that the dream was a seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. 
So Joseph was saying, hey, there's going to be um, seven years of plenty. You need to store up food, store up food, because there's going to be seven years of famine, and it's going to wreck the entire area, the entire world, at that, that, that part of the world. And so Pharaoh was so impressed that he put Joseph in charge, second in command in Egypt. Everywhere he went, he was the favorite. Everywhere he went, he rose to leadership, and he was second in command. Seven years, he was in charge of storing away the food, storing away the food, storing away the food. Then the next seven years, famine. And it got so bad that guess who would come to Egypt to buy some of the food? Joseph's brothers. Joseph was in charge of distributing the sale of the the food. And as soon as his brothers walked in, he immediately recognized them. Now, they didn't recognize him. He had the, the makeup on, you know, the Egyptian. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if he had makeup on, but, but he did not look like he normally looked. So they did not recognize him at all. He recognized them and went back and forth. Now, I'm going to give you the cliff notes on this part. Went back and forth on, hey, go back to your father, blah, 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 and come back. I mean, it was just back and forth. I mean, this was not like a, a one-day little hike back to uh, Israel, back to Egypt, back to Israel, back to Egypt. Anyway, long story short, he reveals himself to his brothers. And they are surprised. They're freaked out. Thinking that he would kill them. But at this time... They bring the father. They all lived there. Joseph had revealed himself, says, I love you. He wept. And I mean, just incredible amount of forgiveness. So all of the families back in Egypt, all together, Jacob, the father, all their clan, they're in Egypt enjoying the, 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 the food because there's famine and so forth. Well, Jacob dies. The father dies. And that's when the brothers get really scared. And let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 50. So they sent this message to Joseph. This is the brothers. Before your father died, and I don't think this really happened, but maybe it did. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great, how convenient, right? Uh, 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 Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Incredible forgiveness. But that's not really what I want us to hone in on. In this story, I've never seen this before, Joseph was able to zoom out of his pain and his hurt and his story. He was able to somehow 
somehow or another zoom out from what his brothers did to him and how they treated him and the years that he spent in slavery, in prison. He was able to zoom out of a bigger picture than just the current betrayal, hurt, or pain. Words that I'll put on the screen that he went through and you and I go through when we need to forgive someone, jealousy, betrayal, unfair treatment, lies, forgotten, hurt, and there's so many more. When you have been wronged, when somebody's been jealous of you and they say something bad or they betray you in some way or you're treated unfairly or you're lied about or you're forgotten and you're hurt and abused and mistreated and so forth, all of this, Joseph was able to zoom out. And what happens in our lives many times is we are not able to zoom out. We don't even think of zooming out, that there's a bigger picture, that there's a better picture or a bigger one. We stay focused on what's happened in the moment, in the story, in our pain, in our, and it's, it's okay, it, it is part of it. I'm sure Joseph in prison thought many times about how he might hurt them in some way, but was able to, when it really counted, and he had the power in his hands to either grant them forgiveness or death, he was able to zoom out, to see a bigger picture. Three things I want you to to remember. The first one is this. Understanding forgiveness involves a total trust in God for our lives. No one else. When we trust in someone else for our lives, we will be disappointed. When we trust in someone else for our future, we will be disappointed. But when we put our trust in God, when you understand that your life, listen, we place it in his hands. God, whatever happens to me, whatever's in my story, whatever I've done, whatever I'm going to do, whatever events, circumstances that are in front of me, I hand my life, offer my life to you. There's something powerful that happens when we can do that. And we're not trusting in the circumstances or the people around us for our lives, for our future, for our happiness, for our joy, but we trust in him. Genesis chapter 50, let's go back to verse 19. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? But oh, how we play God many times in our story. Because we hold on to that revenge and we hold on to that resentment and we hold on to that pain and we say and we say it with our mouths, I will never forgive you. And, and what that does, and listen, guys, I understand, I've been wrong. I've been lied about, treated, mistreated, and so have you. And in the moment, it's not easy. In the moment, you, you, you can feel, anytime their name is mentioned, you, your anger, your ears get red. I mean, it's, it's like, oh, 
Don't even mention their name. So what happens, listen, what happens when we do that? Joseph could have held on to that resentment, held on to that pain, held on to that betrayal, held on to that anger. And when he finally saw him, he could have lashed out. How dare you come into this room and expect me to give you anything, right? I mean, he could have held on to that, but he didn't. Now hear me out. Many times, when we trust in someone else for our lives, and they disappoint, betray, hurt, wound us, we base our lives and our decision or decisions in that pain, in that mistrust, in that disappointment, in that anger. And we begin to make decisions based out of that anger and that resentment as opposed to zooming out and seeing a bigger picture and trusting God. And we marry out of, we, listen, we marry so, uh, we, a divorce, we marry someone out of resentment and anger and we bring that into the marriage with us. That pain and that unresolved story and we base decisions and we wonder why our lives are not working. We wonder where the peace is. We wonder where the grace is. And when I say grace, I'm not talking about saving grace. I'm talking about grace that, that you feel on, in your life where you just feel like the Lord is with you. And, and many times, because, not because he doesn't love us, not because he doesn't want the best for us, but we have chosen to trust in somebody else for our lives rather than God. And we have based all of our lives, our decisions off of that anger, emotional decisions, resentment, pain, bitterness, and this is even towards God, and we wonder why our lives aren't working. Does that make sense? I know this is hard, and I know it's easier said than done, but when you choose to trust God, so you can go that way or you can go this way, and you choose to trust God, there, it doesn't mean it's easy, and it doesn't mean that forgiveness just flows like a river. Sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes it's hard, but it starts with a decision intentional decision that you make to release someone so that you can live the bigger picture. Since you like that so much, let me go to number two. Number two, understanding forgiveness involves a total trust in God for his plans. Joseph, in, in this, <clears throat> you meant it for evil but God used it for good. You call that, we call that perspective. It's zooming out. You harmed me. You meant it, you meant it to kill me. But God saved me for a bigger story. That's when you understand forgiveness because understanding forgiveness means that you trust in God for his plan. Even in the moment, you can't see his plans. Romans 8, 28, you know, this very, you know this passage very well. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm not saying that God caused the pain. I'm not saying that God caused the, the whatever, the whatever it is that, that you're dealing with. I'm not saying he caused it, but he can use it. He can turn it around and he can use your pain for a purpose. 
And I know that's cliche, but he can use your story that you don't understand right now and that you can't see past the resentment, you can't see past the abuse, you can't see past the pain, but he can, if we allow him, he can use it for his good. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of the righteous, well, I'll say it, this is, uh, that's the King James. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. See, when we can trust God with the future, when we can trust God with his plans as opposed to our plans, because our plans are revenge, our plans are resentment, our plans are I will never, I will never forgive you for this. Those are your plans and mine. But when we can trust God with his plans, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Third, understanding forgiveness involves a total trust in God for our own forgiveness. This is where I want to switch gears out of Joseph's story back to Matthew 18. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. The, the Matthew 18 story is back to where Peter says, hey, should I forgive seven times a day? And then, and then Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Oh, that means like in one day, 70 times seven? Yeah, in one day. In other words, it's, it's unlimited. And then to further illustrate the story, he tells or the, the principle of forgiveness, he tells this story. And I'll paraphrase, I'll just give you the cliff notes. There, a man owed another guy millions and millions of dollars. And it came time for that note to be paid, and he could not pay the loan. So he goes into his office and he says, Sir, is there any way that we could work a deal? Is there any way that, that you could give me more time? I don't have the money. I don't, I, I don't have the money. I'm working. I don't have it yet. Could you give me more time? Could we make a deal? And the man not only gave him a deal, he says, you know what? The millions of dollars that you owe me, it's forgiven. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I want you to just think in real time, just, you know, just think about your house mortgage right now, whatever that is. Maybe some of you got it paid off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe some of you got it paid off, but, but most of us, I love you guys, most of us don't, and let's just say it's half a million, and the mortgage company calls you tomorrow morning and says, hey, we picked your name out of the hat, and you're going to be forgiven of your house payment. Amen. Somebody's receiving that. <laughs> We're a prosperity church. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Do you, know, you understand what I'm saying? That man walks out. I mean, a weight is lifted. I mean, it's, it's like, consider all the debt that you ever have, that, that you ever will have, that you are totally free of. That's how he felt. He was just like, oh my goodness. Wow, millions of dollars, right? That same man walks down, walks out of the office, walks down the street and sees a guy who owes him a few bucks 
grabs him by the collars and says, hey, you owe me, you owe me some money. I want, it, I want it right now. And he says the same thing that he said to the other guy. He says, guy, I don't have it right now. Could you give me more time? Could we work out something? He says, no, I want it right now. And threw him into debtor's prison. And there were some people who were in that first meeting, saw this man treat this guy. And he said, we went back to the guy in the office and said, hey, uh, this guy just didn't forgive somebody for a few bucks. So the guy in the office brings the man back in and here's what he says. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Listen. I understand that forgiveness isn't easy. Some of you have an ex-husband, an ex-wife that you, you would just, if we were meeting privately, you would say, John, it's easy for you to say that. You have no idea what I've been through, what he has put my kids through, what he has put, what she has put my kids through, what he, you know, those things are, or a, or a father or a mother or a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter or a coach or a pastor or whatever, priest. And I understand. It's messy. And I understand. I'm just so glad that I didn't come up with the concept. When we are forgiven of our sin, we are obligated to forgive others of theirs. And there's no option. There's no option. The debt that we owed of our sin compared to the debt someone owes of their sin. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant like I had mercy on you? And many of us, because, listen, because we're still in that story, we've not been able to zoom out of it. We're still in that story. So we're still in the anger, the resentment, the bitterness, the hatred, the whatever. And we're, that's why, listen, that's why we can say, you could say to me, John, you don't understand what they did. I know, I don't. And I'm not saying it will be easy, but what I am saying is, when we've been forgiven, we're obligated to forgive, period. Now, let me say one more thing. Because I thought about, how do you want to end? How do I want to end? And, and one of the things that came to my mind was many times the way that we view God's forgiveness towards us. In other words, some of us have a view that it's conditional. Some of us have a view that, yeah, I'm going to forgive you this one last time. But if you do that again, you're dead to me. From God, you know, maybe not those words, but but sometimes the way in which we view God's forgiveness on us is the way that we forgive others. Does that make sense? What I'm saying that we think that God is conditional. We think that God is like one more time, and because of the way that we think about His forgiveness towards us, that's why we feel the. We just feel like we can 
withhold that forgiveness or conditional forgiveness. I'm not, again, I'm not saying the relationship has to be the same. I'm not saying that I, I have people in my life that have wronged me and that I thought, you know what? I love you and I'm going to forgive you, but the relationship is not going to be the same. I don't feel bad about that. I, I, it is what it is. And I'm a nice guy, right? I'm very, I'm, I'm, man, I don't want to fight with anybody. I hate fighting with anybody. I was an only child. We didn't fight. But sometimes we have a weird view of forgiveness this way. And so we have a real trouble, we have real trouble forgiving this way. Let me just, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not saying one more time and that's it. Jesus went to the cross and bore our sin on himself so that you and I would not be held liable for that sin so that we could be forgiven past, present, and future. His forgiveness as far as the east is from the west, in the sea of forgetfulness, scripture. So my point is, guys, zoom out. There's a bigger story. There's a bigger picture. And when you can get out of the pain and out of the bitterness, and you can just understand that maybe, just maybe, God has what people intended for evil, God intended to use for good. Let him. Let him. So my homework for you this week is you already have somebody on your mind. Maybe you're the kind of person that has multiple people on your mind. That's okay. Make a decision today and this week. Listen. I'm not just asking you to release them. I'm asking you to contact them, if possible. And if not, in the Lord in prayer, I mean, I would just literally, like, take your hands and just place them on the altar and say, Lord, I hope not to pick this up back up again. But I'm releasing this person. I'm releasing what they did. I'm releasing the pain that they caused. And I want to see the bigger picture for my life. Many of you, many of you men are walking around with dad wounds. Many of you women are walking around with dad wounds or mom wounds or whatever kind of wounds because of what was told to you, because you weren't the favorite, because you weren't the most athletic, because you weren't the smartest, because of whatever. And, and you walk you walk with that chip on your shoulder and it's, it's a form of unforgiveness and I know that's not a word but lack of forgiveness towards somebody and you're living in that and you're basing your decisions and your life out of that story. I'm just, gonna, I'm just asking you to release that and let God do what only God can do. Would you bow your heads, Lord? <clears throat> it's not easy it's, it's, it's complicated sometimes. It's messy sometimes. 
but really, in, 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 if we really think about it, it's, it's, it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. So, first of all, those of us in this room that need your forgiveness, we have never surrendered our lives and accepted what Jesus did on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven and we could be reconciled to you, not only having abundant life here, but eternal life forever. Many of us have never accepted that, never received that. Lord, today I pray for them. That those in this room that have not put their faith in you, not surrendered their lives to you, today could be their day. I pray that for them. And I pray for those of us that are believers that know some of these concepts, some of these principles, some of these commands, but yet it's a little harder for us to live. We're holding on to things. We've not been able to zoom out of our story. And because of that, we stay in the mess and we stay in the anger and we stay basing our decisions in life on that pain rather than releasing it, saying, I'm gonna see the bigger picture. What you intended for evil, God used for good. Lord, we ask you to give us the courage to make an intentional decision today to forgive. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.